0: Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer, and today we're going to have a couple of pretty phenomenal guests. Uh, One, we're going to be talking sports, that's with Art Teal, and then secondly, we're going to have Stuart Elway of the Elway Research Poll, and of course, he's been working with Crosscut over the last several years. He ran a poll not too long ago, actually in the last uh, month or so, about Washington voters and their attitudes about what's going on right now in the state, and what are they thinking about in the future. Uh, again, this is voices of experience, and essentially what we do is talk with people that, with experience. And I'd have to say we're certainly doing that today. And uh, we have an emphasis in entrepreneurship, and I'm going to have a guest coming up in just a few moments who is going to talk to people with experience or trying to gather that as they go into business for themselves. That'll be Tim Ferriss. It'll be just a recording I made of him uh, several months ago. And uh, I like to say that there's very little theory on this program. That's kind of what separates it out. I really like to talk to people who are experienced in what they do. I just have much more reliability in what they have to tell me. Here's my analogy. Eric, tell me if this works. Okay. All right. So. Stick with me now for a moment. You're getting on a plane. Would you rather have the pilot as you look into the cockpit, knowing that they were, let's say, into their one thousandth flight Mm -hmm. as opposed to someone who just is in their first flight and you're going to fly a difficult flight across the country?
1: Yeah, I'd probably want the more experienced
0: pilot. See, perfect. <laughs> See, I'll pay you after the show. Okay, great. Um, no, but anyhow, that's in all seriousness what I, I believe. And uh, same as you can say with doctors, engineers, and, and people who are doing anything construction, that's kind of what I try to bring to the program. We're talking entrepreneurship, which, uh, again, I say we emphasize on this program. I have what I call the self-employment checklist, a question and answer and you can take this quiz, and the higher you score on the quiz, the you higher your prospects for success. That's what I claim. That's what I submit. And these are questions I've developed over a lifetime of being an entrepreneur, of what I think is important. For example, I consider uh, really a strong attribute if you're thinking about going into business for yourself. You have to be organized individual. If you're not, and you don't execute, forget it. You're not going to succeed in business no matter what you do. So I've been watching a lot of people who have been successful, and I asked the question, why do they get to the next level? So there's about 20 questions on the quiz. And again, the higher you score, the higher your prospects for success. And uh, you can visit my website, which is VoicesOfExperience.com, and then you can, again, take the self-employment test. Okay, we'll be back in just a few moments with uh, Art Teal, But first, I want to uh, bring into the studio, or actually bring and a a
2: recording is uh, Tim Ferriss. Optimism has a place, but I think even more so for the first-time entrepreneur, you need to be pragmatically pessimistic. What I mean by that is, you need to define all of the worst-case scenarios in terms of financial loss, time loss, et cetera. Look at what you will learn if that happens and accept and come to terms with that before you ever start. If you don't do that and you go straight into battling the world, trying to conquer the world with rose colored glasses on, the first time you hit a major hiccup, you're going to become really demoralized and you will quit.
0: That's Tim Ferriss, and he's the author of a book called Four Hour Workweek. I really think that his advice is right on the nose when it comes to going into business for yourself. And one of the key things he said there among several was that if you go into business with too much positive thinking or rose-colored glasses, is that the first sign of trouble you will give up. Let me read a passage from my book on this subject. It's one of the eight myths I talk about, and I'll just read it from right out of the book. As a business owner, you must develop the ability to look at things as they are, not as you wish they were, and make decisions accordingly. You must continuously ask yourself, what could go wrong and take steps to counter or prevent the negative outcomes. Thinking positive will not save your business from disaster. The smartest people in the room are always exploring the negatives or downsides of every decision they make. I am not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, just realistic. I want you to be around when the good times start rolling. Now, I'm going to play that quote from Tim Ferriss one more time, and since we live in such a culture that stresses positive thinking all the time, I think it is something that is well worth hearing again.
2: Optimism has a place, but I think even more so for the first-time entrepreneur, it, you need to be pragmatically pessimistic. What I mean by that is, you need to define all of the worst-case scenarios in terms of financial loss, time loss, etc. Look at what you will learn if that happens and accept and come to terms with that before you ever start. If you don't do that and you go straight into battling the world, trying to conquer the world with rose-colored glasses on, the first time you hit a major hiccup, you're going to become really demoralized and you will quit.
1: You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word.
0: Welcome back to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. And uh, kind of a rainy afternoon, I don't have to tell you that, if you're out in it. And I think Teal is out in it, too, because we have difficulty getting to him, too, with his iPhone. But he's out uh, and about right now. So what we're going to do is switch and do a call to Stu Elway first. So the order will change just a bit. And Stu will be talking about, again, the Washington State Poll, the Elway Poll, which he is so well known for, he's been a pollster since 1975, so he kind of knows what he's doing. And I know Stu very well, and he's really one of the most pragmatic and uh, forward-thinking people, individuals that I've ever had the pleasure to meet. So Stu will be on in just a few moments. I uh, just wanted to talk about what Tim Ferriss had to say, and that had to do with pragmatic. pragmatic being pragmatic when you're going into business for yourself. And, um, and I believe, again, strongly that you have to look at the downside of going into business for yourself and uh, really think worst-case scenario a lot because sometimes I think it's really the popular culture that has you thinking if you, let's say, for example, you love what you do, you will succeed. I just don't think that's true. You will succeed if you have a good business plan. You will succeed if you have thought out what you're going to do. I think the first two things that you really have to do before you even think about going into business for yourself is to give yourself the opportunity to succeed. And how do you do that? Essentially two things, I think. First of all, always think about your customer and trying to solve a problem. And if you look at that, in that light, maybe you had a problem with something. There's a niche. That's what I'm suggesting. A niche within a niche, maybe. For example, let's just say um, you're looking for housing for your elderly parent or grandparent, and you can't seem to find it in your community. Well, maybe that's a business. Maybe you could look at going into business with other people, providing services for aging population. Maybe if you're in construction, that you start to build homes that are accessible, that they um, can be so much different. And and there's a lot of accidents that can occur in a home or in a dwelling. And if you have that possibility of constructing that, then you have a business. You see what I'm driving at? It's like um, a niche is building a house, a niche within a niche is doing a home that's accessible, and now you're solving a problem. So that's what I think the first two things that you should always take a look at in terms of how you approach going into business. It's not about you. It's about your customer and how you can serve them. So we have who on the line? Stuart. Stuart Elway is on the line. Thank you, Stu. Appreciate that. And uh, we are here to talk about the Elway poll, and I just – Introduced you, um, and I actually flattered you quite a bit. I hope you didn't hear it because no, I uh, didn't.
1: No, do we have a
0: tape? Uh, it'll be erased. Just trust <laughs> me. You just got to trust me. No, anyhow, um, I want to talk about your poll again. You just did a cross-cut Elway poll once again, and we've talked about this before. And I just want to revisit that and see what's changed, if anything, in this state. And okay, um, okay let's start right there. I, I do want to. Talk about. Uh, let's start with the governor's race. Is there anything new there? My feeling is having looked at the results of your poll. It's uh, Governor Jay Inslee, third term.
1: Well, if, if the election were today, that would sure be the case. Um, th- th- a couple of interesting things. Uh, well, first of all, uh, on the race itself, we just we asked uh, a question about uh, you know, as things stand today. Uh, how are you, how are you inclined? And we named. Uh, all of the candidates who so far have uh, said they were running. So Jay Inslee, Tim Eyman, Joshua Freed, Phil Fortunato, and Lauren Culp. And in that race, um, 46% said that they would vote for Jay Inslee, and 34% were undecided. And the four candidates uh, divided up uh, the other uh, 20% or so. Uh, the, the sec- in second place was uh, Tim Hyman at 7%. So uh, in terms of just the uh, raw election, uh, he's in pretty good shape, Jay Inslee. Uh, I mean, as an incumbent, he'd like to be above 50%, but that's that's actually um, more rare than it used to be. So, I mean, he's he's way ahead of anybody else. Interestingly, in the same poll, we asked a question that we've asked every – uh, six months at least uh, since he's been in office and that's just uh, asked voters to rate his job performance as excellent, good, only fair or poor and when you collapse excellent, good into positive and then only fair or poor into negative uh, Inslee got his lowest job ratings, uh in uh, four years um, he had a uh, 50 it, it was it was minus 17 that is uh um 17% um 39% said excellent or good 58% said uh only fair or poor so he was he was uh, 17 points underwater on his job ratings which uh, one of the interesting things about that is the only other time he's been that low was in January of 2016, which is the last election year, and he went on to win re-election that year. So, you know, from his standpoint, it doesn't look like there's too much to, to worry about from these numbers, given that that history. But his, his job rating has been remarkably constant over the years. Uh, he's, he's usually been just up or down from 50-50, usually on the tilted to the negative side, well, practically always tilted to the negative side, but but close to even numbers. Uh, and we've been doing this uh, a long time. Both of his predecessors, um, Gary Locke and Christine Gregoire, had much higher numbers than Inslee in their first term and then lower numbers than Inslee in their second term. He's been sort of steady-eddy uh, all the way throughout, so that, that, that's sort of notable compared to this. this well, you know system. something.
0: I think if he somehow did not win this election, which I can't understand how we can possibly lose, it's not because um, we haven't had Republican governors, but it's been a long, long time. Long time. But uh, yeah, but the the look at the ones that are running against him. That uh, Phil Fortunato. Yeah. I mean, what does he say? That Seattle is the belly of the beast, and we're just a bunch of socialist idiots here, and whatever. I, I mean, my right. kind of take on certain things, and, I, and I, I'm a pretty brilliant uh, political consultant, as you know, and I just don't think that wins votes in the city of Seattle when you say things like that. Am I off?
1: Well, no. And, and the Republicans long ago uh, sort of rode off Seattle. Uh, there was a time in living memory When most of the legislators in Seattle were Republicans, believe it or not. That is
0: fascinating. I lived through that, and you told me that one time, and I'm still surprised at that.
1: Yeah. Well, now, of course, there hasn't been a Republican elected in Seattle for uh, years and years. Um, But what's, and so the Republicans um, uh, in their legislative races last year also uh, decided they were going to run against Seattle and and make Seattle sort of the bogeyman. And, 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 you know, the thing is we'll, we'll try to keep those those Seattle values out of our, our district here. Well, the problem is that the the attitudes uh, in, in Seattle and the partisanship in Seattle is moving out into the suburbs with the voters. Oh, okay. most, of, most of the population growth is in the population centers in the central Puget Sound. And... Those new people are more like Seattle people than they are like people in you know rural Yakima County. So um, the Republicans run against Seattle, and they end up losing all of King County. There isn't a legislator left in King County, and um, that, that was just that's an astounding uh, fact from even uh, you know four or six year ago kind of perspective. You know, but
0: I think the, that uh, Jay Inslee is going to have a career after he's governor, and that's comedy. Did you see what he did to um, Tim Iman when he approached thought him thought at the, the, thought the, chair. In the chair? I mean, gosh, I was just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, just paint it, if people missed this. Uh, yeah. Basically, Tim Iman was interrupting a press conference of Jay Inslee, and Jay Inslee said, hey, I'll take your questions afterwards. I kind of put him down, and then he said, uh, don't leave the chair there when you leave or something like that. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was. Yeah. I just fell off my chair, literally, laughing yeah. at that. I just that was pretty good, pretty good comeback. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I would just think that that would be on social media. if Tim Eyman ever got through to run against him, they would play that all the time. I would think. I don't know. But anyway.
1: Well, you know, uh, part of the dynamics of the race right now, of course, is uh, these other candidates are not well known outside of their local communities. The only two with any kind of statewide name uh, recognition are Inslee and Iman. And so and Iman I don't he hasn't decided yet I guess, but he was going to run as an independent. Now he's thinking about running as Republican. But we have a top two primary so it doesn't matter that That's much. True. That's true. Um, and so um, the the challenge for these other three candidates is to get known and get through that top two. But it is not inconceivable that the general election
0: would be insley versus diamond all right we um may have a little bit more time but just in case we're trying to still get art teal but he's standing in some skyscraper under downtown seattle with his cell phone <laughs> we're not <laughs> getting great reception now but anyhow um what, what what would be surprising to the poll that jumped out at you this time you do a quarterly right we do
1: it yeah we do it quarterly well the big takeaway this year i think was uh we every january we've asked the same question for since 1992 and that is what do you think should be the legislature's top priority when they when the session starts so we we have the voters tell us that you know the week before the session starts and this this year it was homelessness um Uh, 31%—it's an open-ended question. People can say anything they want. 31% named homelessness as the number one issue. And it was across the state. It was all uh, large cities, small cities, small towns, suburban areas, uh, Republicans, Democrats, uh, you name it. Homelessness was the number one issue.
0: And and just correct me if I'm right or wrong here— Several years ago, it was just Seattle's problem.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, um, as recently as 2017, um, homelessness was at about five percent, and it was way down at the bottom of the list. And uh, it jumped uh, over the last three years. It's jumped up to the it's the the number one issue that people uh, are concerned about.
0: That is staggering. That is pretty amazing. Yes, it is. And why is it? Because there's more homelessness, like we see here in Olympia and other cities across well, I think, the uh, yeah, state. Yeah, I
1: mean, you, sure. You see, uh, it, it, you know, I've done uh, surveys in in towns, and it's it's the number one issue in Seattle. Certainly, it's the number one issue uh, in Olympia. It's the number one issue in Aberdeen. It's the number one issue in Spokane, um, and so uh, the 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 widespread. Um, recognition of the issue. And I think it's, you know, part of its visibility, you just see more homeless people, and you know there's something wrong. There's an issue there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, Anything else that you feel that's uh, trending or a bit of a surprise?
1: Well, the, the other thing, uh, sort of back to the election, we asked question about uh, the upcoming legislative race, and We ask a generic question. We can't ask all, you know, all 49 districts. So we ask: In your district, are you inclined to vote for more Republicans or more Democrats uh, for the legislature? And the Democrats led, and this is a statewide number now. The Democrats led by 17 points. Um, More people. More people are going to vote for Democrats than Republicans for the legislature. And, and just by comparison, uh, two years ago in that same question, the Democrats led by 13 points, so less than now. And that year they went on to win 60% of the total statewide vote for the state house, and captured 57 of the, seat, of the house seats and 28 of the four, uh, Senate seats. So they got a majority in both houses and 60% of the total vote with a less less of a margin in this question than they have now. So um, it's it's at this point, I mean, the, the sun's going to rise and set a lot of times before people actually vote. But here in January, as we're looking out ahead to the election year, uh, it's looking pretty blue.
0: Amazingly blue. blue. I yeah. mean, it's gray right now, but geez, uh, yeah. you look at that. That is, again, another stunning revelation because generally... And we in a world now where politics is, it seems like nothing that you relied on before is something you can look to the future. And you would have thought that maybe the Democrats, because they have been in power so much, usually that party gets some feedback that's negative along the way and they suffer some, but it's not happening here. And another thing, Stu, how, you know, I always surprise myself when I talk to, Think about this: is that we have a state of 39 counties, and what, 31 or 32, do vote Republican?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, right. So it, it's much like the uh, national uh, election. You know, that if you look at just a map, it looks pretty. It looks pretty red. Right. But you look at the votes, and there are more blue votes. So it's, it's you know the Republicans win the acres, and the Democrats win the voters.
0: Ooh, I like that. They win the acres and they win the votes. Okay, I'm going to really ask another question. It has nothing to do with this, but I was going to ask, and this is why I was going to have Art T on the air yeah. since he's not going to be here. Um, I was going to talk to him about the signal calling scandal. What do you think about that?
1: Well, <laughs> um, curveball. I haven't followed it too uh, closely, frankly, but uh, you know, I don't. I'd be surprised if too many people are very surprised by it. I mean, it's certainly uh, you know wrong thing to do, but I don't know if if people are going to be shocked that that uh, that kind of stuff goes on. I mean, we saw yeah. it a few years ago in the Super Bowl with the the Patriots. You know, they were deflating balls and stealing signals and all kinds of stuff, allegedly. And it sort of
0: got whatever. Let's go! Yeah. Let's go to the Super Bowl party. i You know what? Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say that. I have it written down right here. Where was it? I said, um, you know, let me see, Houston, Boston. And I said, do you really think that people care? And I, I said, I don't think they will care um, because they've shown time and again, they really don't. I think the NBA is a league that really rewards winners. And I'm not going to get into that because we have some time. But there was that referee that wrote the book Blow the Whistle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of things there that he was gambling on games and things. But... The NBA is the most popular sport there is, you know. So, uh, it, you know, right now, so I, I'm kind of with you in that uh, that field. So, and well, that thought. And,
1: and yeah, and it it, it it reflects back. I mean, we're just in a seem to be in an era now where um, the old uh, morality doesn't. Uh, doesn't hold or it doesn't have, have the sway it used to or it's you know it's more of a uh do what you can and winner take all and uh, you know i, I don't want to overstate all that but but there is just a offense in 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 politics as much
0: yes uh more that's correct uh,
1: you know hardball and that's right we're, we're all used to, to
0: that now and yeah. it's like that's kind of the way it is yeah, and, there and there is what's the enough. problem Because everybody's going to get their edge and and going, and somebody said, "Oh my gosh, this is the Chicago Black Sox in 1919." I go, "I don't think so. I really don't." Yeah. (laughs) So anyhow, well, I think that's about it, Stu. I really appreciate you coming in here today and uh, pinch hitting the entire way, and then taking the questions on the great scandal about stealing signals, which we both agree (laughs) is not going to have a lot of legs. So (laughs) I got about ten seconds to go. Let's get together for lunch. Okay, we'll do. All right, thanks, Stu. All right. So uh, that's all the time we have right now. we got, what, about one minute to go. I see Art is on the phone. Can we get him for 10 seconds or 15? Art, are you there?
1: I am here, and I apologize for the uh, uh, either the inclemency or the technology or both, uh, but i got a landline.
0: Uh, well, you know what? The bad news is that I'm out in 45 seconds. Ah, I'm okay. trying to give KKNW, you know, they want to. You know, give me more time, but I probably can't do that, so other people, come on. Yeah. Thank you, Art, for making these efforts. No big deal. You know Stu Elway, right? Yes. We we talked somewhat about this controversy, but ah. I'll have you back because I really want to talk to you about this.
1: Okay, I really apologize. I didn't think this would be a problem.
0: I understand. It is the technological world. We will make it uh, work just fine okay. the next time. Okay. Sorry, thank I you, pa- Art. No problem. Okay. okay. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. So that's about it. we got 10 seconds to go. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Stu, and thank you, Art, for really trying to make uh, your efforts to get on the air uh, today. Have a great rest of the week.